Welcome to Taste the Truth Tuesdays, where we have bite-sized conversations on faith, fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'll be leveraging over two decades as a personal trainer, nutritionist, and mindset coach, and together, through the lens of faith, we will discover truthful tidbits for the health-conscious Christian. Hey, hey, happy Taste of Truth Tuesday. We have a great conversation for you today with another Megan. She offers Christ-centered, root-caused, focused wellness services that teach you how to break free from survival mode and reclaim an embodied faith. Megan does this by empowering, inspiring, and equipping you with knowledge of your God-designed physiology through a biblical lens. The knowledge she shares comes from years of working with women one-on-one, clinical practice, and witnessing methods that actually work. We cover a lot of practical information in today's episode, so grab a piece of paper, a pencil, and let's begin. And so, Megan, will you just share a little bit more about yourself, a little bit about your testimony, or how long you've been a believer in walking with Christ? Yeah, I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm so excited to see your podcast flourish. And I just think you're doing such an amazing job. So it's an honor to be here. My name is Megan Taylor. I am a former nurse practitioner, now functional health practitioner. I got into holistic health due to my own journey with breast cancer. Um, I dealt with a lot of chronic symptoms after chemo and surgery that conventional medicine couldn't really help me with. And it led me on a path of learning more about a holistic approach to healthcare. I began reversing my symptoms and that inspired my journey to begin working with other women. And that's what I do now. When I was going through functional health training and I realized how much our minds truly impact our bodies. And that's what kind of inspired me to begin intertwining that work with what I do now. Thank the Lord that you have recovered from what you went through with breast cancer. I'm so grateful that you're so vulnerable about sharing your journey and how hard it was to probably go through what allopathic medicine offers compared to maybe some holistic alternative and then being able to feel your energy come back and see your symptoms go down and be like, wait a minute what's going on here and kind of shifting your worldviews. And so tell me a little bit about the nervous system, because you said that was a key aspect of your healing journey as you were going through this. And so what's just like a general, you know, elementary level, because it can be complicated. What's the nervous system? I like to share that I came to Jesus before I started diving into the nervous system work, because there's so much healing that can be found when you become a Christian. And I have not always been faithful. I I was raised in the church. I was brought up in a Christian family, but I was always there physically, but never mentally and spiritually. And I'd be like, why on earth do I even need to be here? Like, I like God. This is, this is dumb, essentially. And I'm like, mom, I don't understand. Like, why? Why do we have to go? And she would always say, one day you'll understand. And I would literally roll my eyes being there. I would rush out, have no connections with anybody. And then about nine, around nine years ago, my mom got really sick with ovarian cancer. And when I tell people that Jesus literally wrecked my life and he put it back together so much beautifully, he truly did. And it was with losing my mom because I I watched the life literally leave her eyes and I looked at her corpse and I was like, what now? This is insane. <laughs> is this real? Like I knew I know death was real, but this is just a lot. What do I do now? Is God real? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? And it really just set me on this path of searching for truth. And I was also going through school at that time. 
And so I had to change and shift gears and I totally changed directions. And it was because of that moment in my life. And so after she died, I, it was like, I was frozen. And I remember taking a shower, just like trying to feel something because I just like did not know what to do. And the only thing I knew to do was go back to what was familiar. And it was, she was always rooted in Christ. And so I started to, I opened my Bible, I found her Bible and I started digging in and I started really asking deeper questions. And I spent about three months just really diving into who is God? Who is Jesus? What are the scriptures? Are they even real? And I isolated myself and cut everyone out of my life. And it was to the point where my supervisor at the time, I had quit my job. My dad, I have a brother and sister, and he let me stay at home and help with them. And she showed up She showed up to my house one day, and she's like, Megan, I, just, I need to check on you because I haven't heard from you because I got off social media. I cut off all my friends. And it was just a wild journey. And then I started getting really involved in my local congregation and they welcomed me back with open arms and they were just so sweet and really helped me dive into the scriptures from there i started just intending everything i could i even went to like this care bears thing where the older women in the congregation were uh, knitting together care bears for hospital patients because i just wanted to be with them i'm like tell me all you know about this jesus <laughs> show me show me about being a christian and so i got super involved i ended up repenting i got baptized again because i was losing sleep over just everything that had been going on and i just felt like i needed a clean slate and i needed to know that i was on the right path and then from there i just stayed faithful i got involved in mission trips i reconnected with my husband he grew up in the same congregation but i was so busy chasing bad boys like if you had three duis and like were addicted to drugs i was like come here and let me fix you <laughs> so when i met luke he's like this preacher and it turns out he had a crush on me since i was 16 and it's like god like wove our story back together so now we live in north africa and we have an online ministry and then i run my business online I really appreciate you sharing your testimony. And when we're faced with death, there's just no denying the reality of what just happened. And I think that I really pray that everybody has to come to Jesus moment. If they didn't know Christ, that's really incredible that you knew she was anchored in Christ. And so you took that leadership example and said, let me like carry that like that would that gave you the encouragement to seek it out and i love that about your mom she i'm sure she's very very pleased and smiling upon that and thank you so much for sharing your testimony and how your relationship with christ is the foundation of all healing and so let's bring it back around what is the nervous system and what are some signs and symptoms of when you might be dysregulated within your nervous system our body is so interconnected and within our body there is a system that really touches every single organ it touches your cells and when you look at your body as a whole and take the system into consideration it makes so much sense when you start talking about the symptoms of dysregulation which i'll talk about in just a sec but we have a central nervous system which is our brain and our spinal cord and then we have a peripheral nervous system which is kind of the nerves that extend from the central nervous system to the rest of the body. And that is what plays a crucial role in functions like um, how we perceive the world, how our body functions, and how we process and react to things. And then within your peripheral nervous system, there is a 
another category called the autonomic nervous system. And that's the one that I love to teach on. And the reason I love that is because research shows that our past experiences, like me losing my mom and you, everything you've gone through, those experiences shape our nervous system. But research also shows that ongoing experiences can really form and mold and transform our nervous system. And so when we look at how incredible the body is, and we start to really tune in to the fact that our nervous system is even there, a lot of people don't even know that's a thing, then we can start to learn about why we have an increased heart rate, why we struggle with digestion issues, why we struggle with hormone production or detoxification. Everybody wants to do a detox and they don't really realize you can't do that if you're unsympathetic because it's a parasympathetic process or blood sugar issues and how you react to your environment and your emotions. It's all really interconnected into that. Everybody is so uniquely made and a problem I see in the holistic community is they're like, do this. You have to do this. So part of the reason I didn't necessarily say exactly to do this, I encourage you to build your own plan. And it's because everybody's so different. Everybody has different nutrient deficiencies. They have different family histories. So what works for me isn't going to work for you. Yes, I'm so grateful you brought up bio-individuality because it's such an important concept to keep in the forefront of our minds because we all have unique lifestyles, stressors, toxins that impact us uniquely. So you've shared with us what's the nervous system, what are some symptoms of dysregulation, and this comes from the polyvagal theory, which is explaining the relationship between the autonomic nervous system and social behavior. And this can be helpful in explaining the mind and body and brain and body relationships. What is the vagus nerve? And how does it impact the system? Yeah, so the vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve. And it is also known as the wandering nerve because it really wanders down through the rest of your system and it touches so many things. Part of our parasympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for our ability to rest and digest. And then it helps to regulate our ability to breathe, our heart rate, and our digestion. And because the vagus nerve touches so many other symptoms that it's that is what makes it so important because if we have poor vagal tone or poor ability for our vagus nerve to impact the rest of our, our system, it can uh, cause a lot of chronic symptoms. And it's been connected with IBS, GI issues, depression, anxiety, PTSD, hypertension, cardiovascular disease. So we really want to take that into consideration when we are talking about and answering the question like, why is this even important? Why do I need to know this? Can't my doctor just know this? And from a Christian perspective, I am so thankful that people are starting to talk about mental health. I praise the Lord because for so long it was put under the rug and it was like no one ever wanted to talk about it. And now I feel like it's shifted to everybody talks about every single thing and it's like we have this knee-jerk reaction and just everything is brought to light. And that's good, but we also want to have balance, right? And what I've noticed in Christian communities, I noticed this a few years ago, a lot of elders in the church or a lot of Leaders in the church are very, very hesitant to help people with mental health issues and they refer them to experts. And I do think that experts are important. I think that medication can be life-saving. However, what we need to know is that a lot of these experts 
they have an agenda when we fail to take into consideration the vagus nerve and the health of the nervous system an example like a child a boy who maybe grows up and he's feeling very feminine and he is also struggling at home with chronic stress and trauma what's happening is his cortisol is increasing and that is leading to his blood his blood sugar can become dysregulated that will lead to increased insulin, which will cause his testosterone to decrease and it will chip away at his masculine characteristics. And so this boy is like, I feel like a girl. And when he's sent to an expert, instead of actually pausing to look at his body as a whole through a holistic and Christian lens, that expert says, well, you were actually born a woman and you need to go have this surgery and your parents don't fully understand you. So we're going to help you do it behind their back. And so when we are as Christians equipped with this type of knowledge, I feel that we are not able to have these hard conversations and approach mental health through a biblical lens and honor our physiology. And we're just sending it over to the experts who don't always have our best interests at heart. I mean, very well said. And we've seen this time and time again. We saw it with uh, the anti-depression meds where they sold us that it's just a chemical imbalance. And then we just saw a massive meta-analysis, which is almost cream of the crop in data that actually that's not what causes depression. So they don't know why those meds work. And again, we're not against medicine by any means because it can be life-saving. But the problem is, is that they sometimes simplify the message, just like what we see with trauma right now is that, oh, trauma has changed your brain, your reptilian brain, or they oversimplify stuff that actually isn't really true. And as a Christian, we don't really align with the reptilian brain worldview because it's rooted in evolution. And so that doesn't mean we can't learn from these experts, but we're not always going to see eye to eye with what they view as this. The fancy word is epistemology, which is the ideology of like where their authority comes from. And then wherever their authority comes from is going to be the root of where their proposed solutions come from. And so if we're in the postmodern society that we're in where there's no truth, there, and if and if there was truth, you can't know truth, and that's how gender became even the construct. And so, yeah, Christians just we have such a gift, and I think sometimes we forget that science aligns with the Bible, and that we have we have a gift of all knowledge and wisdom comes from the Lord, and they've really done a number on us with postmodernism. I really appreciate that. So we've kind of talked on it. So, and this was the question because what you've done with your course is so admirable with the discernment. We mentioned a little bit about every counseling system out there is going to come from a sense of authority, which is going to be their ideology, fancy word epistemology, and they're going to propose solutions. So what are your insights that you learned from your journey while you were creating your Christ-centered nervous system healing course or all of your wellness services you provide are always from the God-designed viewpoint? Was there any like insights you can provide us that you biggest takeaways from that journey? Well, I want to say that before I went on this journey, like I talked about before, I had spent so much time building up my Bible knowledge. Like I was so invested in learning why the Bible was inspired, what was even in it, reading it and just really absorbing the information. And I really believe that having that foundation is what allowed me to then go through these trainings and then know what was biblical and what was not. And even areas where they were basically like dealing biblical principles without knowing it. And I don't want to say stealing. I just wanted to be like, you know, that's in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of them don't. They don't really. So I wanted to say that because it's so hard to discern when you don't have the word of God in you. 
Uh, so that is number one. Number two, I went down so many rabbit holes and I compared so many series and I have so many certifications. It's kind of ridiculous and just embarrassing because I just went, I just went down this rabbit hole because I was like, I need to learn more about this and I need to know if it applies biblically and it's in line with our physiology, but is it biblical? And there wasn't just one training course I agreed with. A lot of them had a lot of information like the the benefits of forgiveness and compassion and awe, but then the origin of those things, they would root in evolution. And while I believe and I know that forgiveness and compassion and awe all influence our nervous system, I do not believe in evolution. I believe that we underwent or we experience survival mode when we were separated from God in the garden. And that's where I believe this all entered. I know to be true that they got that part wrong, but that doesn't mean I just discount everything they say, right? Because a lot of it is true and written within our physiology. So I took what I learned in those programs and I went to another rabbit hole and went down Bible counseling and Christian mental health coaching. And then I noticed that they kind of leave out they talk about physiology a lot, but they don't really mention like hormones and mineral deficiencies because they, I mean, they don't, a lot of them don't even dig into that. So why would they even mention it? Right. And I was like, this is all connected. And I kept searching for people who were teaching on this and I couldn't find one that wasn't giving credit to the universe or wasn't teaching just wild things from the Bible that I felt like I could just take from and follow them and learn from them. So it got on my heart to create a course. But before I did that, I started taking all the knowledge I had learned and applying it with myself and then with clients. And when I started really seeing changes in my clients, my functional health clients that were often labeled with adrenal fatigue or blood sugar dysregulation, they were reversing their cortisol issues with the principles that we were applying. And it wasn't until they really dug in and really just uprooted certain wounds that they were dealing with that was causing them to have certain suppression going on that they then were able to have those wins. And it was so beautiful to watch. I remember taking cortisol levels in one of my clients. And after we had gone through not only supporting her adrenals with nutrients and other ways I support that, she had this huge realization with a family issue that she was going through and she was having so much healing. And that also influenced her blood sugar. And we monitored it through a continuous glucose monitor. So it was just so beautiful to like see it. And then I was like, Lord, is this real? Or that's just all mad. And I just wanted to be real. And I kept seeing it over and over again. I was like, no, this is real. And so I needed to put this in a course. And so I took everything I learned from different modalities. I give them credit in the course because I'm not going to like say I just like invented this because in no way did I invent this. I just, I share what I learned along the way and people are, are, are always like, do you have a book that you recommend? And I'm like, no, because I didn't learn it in a book. I learned it in clinical experience and I learned it from all these courses I took. I can tell you a ton of courses and the rabbit holes I went down, but like these are concepts that I've come to know by digging into so many different resources that there's not just one. And that's why I put it all into a course so that I could then be like, hey, there you go. This is what I spent years learning. You can learn it in 12 weeks. I mean, there, yes, of course, I need to abide in Christ and I need to learn how to put all, you know, put off what the Bible tells me to stop doing and put on what the Bible tells me to do. And we learn a lot of, I'm in a biblical counseling course and we talk all the time about put off, put on, put off, put on. It's come from Ephesians 4. But what's missing about that is that if I'm in a sympathetic 
fight or flight or fawn or whatever we want to refer to those uh, state, it's so difficult to put off malice or put off grumbling or put off like whatever sin, begetting sin you might have. And then you feel really guilty about it. But I loved so much about your course, helping me notice, wow, like I really struggle with put off and put on biblical change. But if I'm in fight or flight and I can understand that no wonder I have a difficulty and truly abiding in Christ is feeling ventral, is feeling safe, is feeling secure. He knows how difficult the flesh is. He indwelled in it. I love that you talked about the fruits of the flesh and fruits of the spirit. And one thing that really opened my eyes about learning about nervous system dysregulation was when I went to the Bible and I started learning about fruits of the flesh and fruits of the spirit. And if we're not careful as Christians, a lot of times, if we have anxiety and depression, which I get it, I've had major depression, I've had very bad anxiety, and I know how hard that can be. But sometimes if we only look at that through the lens of what the world is teaching today, we can sometimes excuse certain behaviors. So if I use myself as an example, I used to be so like psycho when I was hungry. And I was psycho a week before my period. It was like I turned into a little gremlin. And my husband at one point was like, Megan, you turn into a different person when you're about to start your period. (laughs) What is going on? And before I knew about blood sugar imbalances, which I had, and hormone imbalances, which I had, and before I knew about nervous system dysregulation and and nervous and being triggered, I would just be like, well, you know what? That's just me. That's who I am. And I'm just hangry. And if we look at that and we don't fully take a step back and look at the body as a whole and how it impacts us spiritually, I think we really miss out on areas where we can take radical action and instead we'll make excuses. And we can become very prone to fruits of the flesh when we're running in survival mode. Like you said, it's so hard to be patient or forgiving when you're irritable and angry. (laughs) And it's like this physiological response. And you can say, I'm going to put this off all day. But like if your blood sugar is going all over the place, it just makes it really hard. And even with anxiety, I've seen people almost get diagnosed and prescribed medications for low blood sugar because they've had episodes where their blood sugar will spike and then their body responds by sending insulin so it dips and when it continuously does that over time you can end up with low low blood sugar and episodes of hypoglycemia and that will make you have heart palpitations it can give people panic attacks and a lot of times doctors will be like here you need this medication but what you need to know is you're suppressing your body's message right and so you're missing out on that opportunity to support your blood sugar. And I'm not saying never take medication. I just want people to know that your body's sending a message. And when we don't honor the nervous system and everything that goes on with it, not only do we miss out on nourishing our temple, which is a biblical principle, but we're also missing out on opportunities to take radical action in our spiritual life. That's really well said. What I loved about your course is that science you pointed out is finally catching up to what Christ taught us about forgiveness. And so what's the positive impact you you explain in the course about forgiveness? And then I'd love for you to touch on the negative impact of resentment, because when we're stressed out or in a fight or flight, you mentioned in the course, we tend to ruminate. Yeah. So forgiveness is something I really struggled with over the years. I was someone who really just held grudges (laughs) And that now I know it was self-protection, but there's studies on forgiveness that show it impacts your heart, your heart, uh, it lowers your risk of heart attack, it supports your sleep, 
it reduces pain, it impacts blood pressure, anxiety, and depression. And when you kind of learn that, and then you learn about the biblical principles that we are supposed to forgive, we're like, well, no wonder. God knows that it impacts us physically, but also spiritually. And so when we don't forgive, not only do we miss out on those benefits physically, but it also will grow into the fruit of resentment, which then keeps us in fight or flight and it keeps us triggered. And when that happens, our adrenal glands will flood our body with stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol. And then that is what impacts our heart rate, blood pressure and respiration. And it also diminishes oxytocin. And so when we are stuck in this cycle of resentment and we're like super triggered all the time, we are creating stress in our body. And then we're also diminishing oxytocin, which is a feel-good hormone. And so it just keeps us in this vicious cycle. And a lot of people don't realize that those types of things can contribute to chronic disease. So I can't give you medication to help you forgive someone. That's something that you really have to sit with and chew on and think about. And that's also something that you need help from God and the Holy Spirit to help with forgiveness. But I wish that the physical aspects of that were talked about more in the Christian space and I wish that it was really honored in the holistic space as well, because I've seen it said that you don't have to forgive. And I just, I don't see that biblically. And I also don't see it within the truth of our physiology. And those are, you had originally asked how I know to discern certain things. And those are the types of questions I ask. I will see things taught on forgiveness. And I'm like, well, is that biblical? That sounds really good. Like, I don't want to forgive. That makes me feel good when I don't have to forgive. But then I have to go back to, well, it might be true, but does it line up with the biblical principles? And if it doesn't, then I'm not going to teach that. I wanted to touch a little bit on how to discern when you're going through training or asking how you can apply certain things that are, or certain teachings surrounding the nervous system or just health concepts in general. Um, the belief that if something has pagan roots, that it's always super evil or that it is to be demonized and totally avoided because when we look at like the story of Joseph, God can take bad things and he can turn it to good. And so what I see with Christians, and I know a lot of them really mean well, but they will take certain concepts like Christmas, which I don't even want to talk about Christmas on here because it's like a whole other rabbit hole, but they'll take things that have pagan roots and they will say that we need to avoid them. And my problem with that is if we do that, we need to be consistent. And so my question would be, well, are we going to avoid conventional medicine altogether? Because if you go back far enough, Hippocrates, the father of medicine, his beliefs were that surrounded the Hippocratic oath involved Greek gods, right? And so that's pagan. And the oath that they say today is pagan. And so I'm not going to say conventional medicine is bad because I know that a lot of it can be used for good and redeemed. And I just think that we make a lot of dangerous assumptions when we try and bind those certain things. And so, yes, something can have bad origins, but that doesn't always mean that there can't be fruit from it. Now, there is a caveat to that. And the caveat is if you have to sin to get somewhere, but the fruit is good, then you need to avoid that process. And an example that I want to give of this is psychedelic mushrooms. A lot of people will say, well, you know, this cures anxiety and depression. And as someone who's really gone down that route and messed around with those things, your soul is literally up for grabs. And when you go back to asking, is this biblical? 
The answer is no, because you're not sober, right? So that's a biblical principle. You are not sober during that whole process. Now, the fruit might be good, but we need to avoid that because it's violating a biblical principle, right? So I think we need to separate those two things, and that really plays a role in the discernment process. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, the more I study hermeneutics and theology, I see that. But I think where the discernment area is, for me, is the worldviews. So what I see when I'm discerning in the Christian wellness circles, some of these methodologies are rooted in the humanistic worldview, which believes that the only thing wrong with mankind is that they have a poor self-image. And so you just need to stare at the mirror and tell you're a good person and you need to just build up your self-worth by saying really good affirmations. And so that's where we have to understand, wow, so many of some of these trauma-informed courses that are taught by Joe, Dr. Joe are going to be rooted in humanistic worldviews. So that's where the discernment can come from. And they might have some really good tips and tools. Like we don't want to avoid breathing deep because it could also be breath work. And we don't want to avoid stretching because it could also look like yoga. So there is definitely important to discern. And that's where the biblical worldview comes into principle. And a lot of people just need help. And that's what you've done such a good job with your course is if you struggle with discernment, then I just highly recommend taking this course because I find myself having a discernment radar and still was fatigued and was so grateful to find this course because I was trying to heal. I was trying to feel safe. I was trying to get out of fight or flight. And if I'm constantly trying to discern that I'm constantly in fight or flight and I'm a baby Christian and I wanted to put that off and to hand it off to people who've been walking with Christ a lot longer than me, they have more discernment than me. And so it finish up with some really practical tips for you. If you're not taking the course, but you want to walk away with, well, well, what can I do? So I've learned that the nervous system is important for me to be able to put off what the Bible tells me to stop doing. Like when I when I fall into negative thinking or stinking thinking, that could also be related to my nervous system. It could also be related to minerals. Well, what are some biblical ways that I can at least activate my vagus nerve that's completely free? I can do it wherever I'm at. And what are some tips you could have? I think before I go into tangible tips, one of the life-changing tips I've seen for myself and other women is really applying awareness and then having compassion because when you apply self-compassion I know people in the Christian space do not like that word self (laughs) but compassion is a biblical principle right and it comes from Jesus Jesus constantly looked at others with compassion and what I saw is that Christian women were avoiding that self-compassion piece and as a result it was keeping them ruminating it was spinning them into negative thinking and self-deprecation and it did this to me for a while and satan loves that because you are stuck in a cycle and so when you when i teach on the course about self-compassion kristen neff does a lot of studies on self-compassion and how it impacts our physiology and so that is one tip I believe is biblical because they teach how to really intertwine it with a biblical principle. Um, another one, so some other things are humming and singing. Um, singing activates the vagus nerve and then doing that with other believers, I believe is such an incredible way to co-regulate and get your feel-good hormones going. I think it's so beautiful when you think about the church and really what God has given us and how it actually impacts our chemistry and our body and 
I remember at my old congregation, the youth group would love to sit in the auditorium after services, turn off the lights and sing together. And it was such a beautiful way to not only worship God, but I'm super nerdy. So I was thinking like, oh, this is impacting our nervous system and no one even realizes it. (laughs) And then I'm like, I can't talk about that. They'll think I'm nerdy. But those types of things would really inspire me to share because I was sitting there thinking about the physiology and how we are not only worshiping our savior, but also impacting each other. And I just thought that was so beautiful. It's not really talked about in the holistic space. Um, And then breath prayers, when you add breath prayers with scripture, that's a great way, especially if you're focusing on your exhale, it's a great way to really nourish your system. Long hugs, if you're not someone that likes hugs, which that's understandable, a lot of people do not like that. Um, Pets, I know Megan, you're really big on having a pet. And I when I used to work in conventional medicine, we would actually prescribe support animals instead of medication. And people preferred that because they did well with it. And it's because I think even John Hopkins has done some studies on how incredible pets are for stress and PTSD and trauma and how it impacts your chemistry. It's so beautiful. I can send you over. You probably have already seen it. Um, but there's some research done by John Hopkins and it's just so beautiful to see. So I believe that God created animals, right? So in my opinion, that's another biblical way to really nourish our bodies. And I mean, even in the uh, gospels, a lot of their time they spent walking. And so just spending time walking and staring at nature and Jesus pointed out the lilies, Jesus pointed out the the birds in the sky with its form of biblical meditation. My biblical counselor teacher, Tim Bryant calls it worship walks. And uh, he believes that that's most of what Jesus's ministry was. They were walking. And we know when we go for a good walk with a friend or a good hike with a friend, you can get really a good conversation going. And maybe that's also the blood flow going and the breath going. And it's very interesting thinking about how much the nervous system and physiology, when you, like you said, look at that lens when you study the Bible. So when I was a new Christian, I was obsessed with the Nephilim, like obsessed with the giants. And so that was the lens that I was reading scripture through. <laughs> I was like, yep, there it is. And I was like looking everywhere. I'm like, that's the giant. And now I obviously know that I got a little towards the uh, fantasy side of things. Um, and that was fun and entertainment, but we have to be careful with stuff like that. But my point was that the lens of looking through the nervous system and how much that is really there, whether we really see it right off the bat or not, was so, so exciting for me too. So now, I mean, I've studied dietetics, but I also love anatomy and physiology. So I'm very, my husband studied kinesiology. So very similar stuff. Like we love the body so much. Self-compassion, I really appreciate that you brought that up. And whenever I'm talking to someone who's a non-believer, it can be difficult to counsel a non-believer when we find so much comfort in the Lord. And I, again, I've spent 37 years without the comfort, so I really feel drastically the shift. But I have noticed that the two things I can always touch on is what your course helped me, forgiveness and compassion, because that is what the world knows. And I can also align with that from biblical definitions. And I can maybe remove some of the biblical influence that might make them feel uncomfortable, but I can still talk about the importance of finding compassion for yourself or for the individual and then finding forgiveness. And that is just so helpful in my counseling for non-believers and also believers. And I want to touch on self-compassion and the toxic shame cycle. I think so many Christian women are in this 
labyrinth of the toxic shame and the words sound like, well, if you had this, you could blank. If you did this, you could blank. When you gave us some of those words, I was like, wow, that is definitely a lot of the voice I have in my head. I tend to lean a lot towards, I know we all struggle with pride in some ugly form. My pride is self-loathing. It's sad to um, find it that way. So I appreciate how much self-compassion and forgiveness was huge for me to break out of that overly critical spirit. And if I'm overly critical on myself, then I'm overly critical on other believers. I'm overly critical in the world. And being mean-spirited goes in opposite of everything the Bible teaches. Yeah. So a lot of women are turned off by the idea of self-compassion because they think it's going to spin into narcissism. But what I found is if you don't apply that, you're actually more focused on yourself and your woundedness and where you're hurting. And without necessarily knowing it, you're kind of seeking validation from others. And so what that does is prevent you from being an active presence for someone else because you're so focused on your own pain. So it keeps you ruminating. It keeps you self-deprecating. It keeps you in negativity. And then it also impacts the way you minister to people, right? And so if you, when you were talking about non-believers, I think one of the best things we can do as Christian women is to learn how to apply these biblical concepts to ourselves because the way we apply it to ourselves is going to enable us to give it to someone else. We have such a hard time focusing on other people when we're hurting. And when you take time to really nourish yourself and say like, wow, I have actually been through a lot of makes sense why I'm hurting. And you tend to your wounds and then enables you to be fully present with someone else. And I've seen that. And other women and I've seen it play out so beautifully and that's why I don't understand when people downplay self-compassion it's kind of like looked down upon and so I think it's because the word self is in there and they're like we're supposed to deny ourselves which is true but it's also true that you're not supposed to deny your God-given identity right we have a new identity in Christ and if you're constantly denying that identity by getting stuck in how terrible you are and how and you're stuck in self-deprecation and you really leave out that self-compassion piece that keeps you in toxic shame, which Satan loves. He loves to feed on that. He loves to water that. And we got to cut that out and prune it. And I think one of the most incredible ways to do that is through self-compassion. Well, I think if you're stuck in the self-deprecating, you're stuck in the bad news of the gospel. Yeah. Yes. And, so true. And, 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 and that is important. It is important to understand the bad news because that's how we get the good news and how good the good news is but that is the compassion side is that jesus came to you when you were the lowest of the pig pen self but he's not leaving you there so that's where if he can forgive you and came to you then you can forgive you and it's not about self-forgiveness but it's about applying the forgiveness that jesus gave you as a blanket of righteousness over yourself and so what I struggle with is if I fall into a day where I'm really in my begetting sins and I'm really falling into my anxiety or I'm falling into all of it and I lay in bed that night and I love, you talk a lot about this in your course about, you know, repenting and asking for forgiveness. Um, but knowing that if I have a good day where I don't fall into some of those bad patterns, I'm not more righteous that day than on my bad day. I'm not more or less righteous depending on what I did or didn't do because I'm always righteous in Christ and it's not my works that earn salvation, but we're always in progressive sanctification, learning how to be more like Christ. And self-compassion, I love what you said about 
not being able to be present for others. Because guess what? We can't export what we don't already have within us. So that was huge for me. Huge awareness to be like, I want to be this loving. I I mean, no, there's nothing more important to me than when I'm in the world to be embodying Christ. Especially I walk around with a faith shirt. And then if I fall under fight or flight, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was literally wearing a cross and being a jerk. Like repent. I'm so, you know, but that's where I can find compassion and forgive myself for falling into the flesh and knowing that the Lord sees me. He knitted me you know, in my mother's womb, he knows that I'm dust and he knows that I'm weak. And I really appreciate always turning it back to from the lens of Christ. I see my deprecation, not from my own self, but from the view of the Lord. And there was one thing I wanted to touch on about not forgiving. And I learned about this in my biblical counseling course. If someone doesn't ask for forgiveness or they haven't apologized, or let's say they did a really, really grievous sin to you, because in my biblical counseling course, we work with sex trafficking victims, we work with rape victims. These are really intense. And eventually, obviously, it takes years to get to the conversation of forgiveness. Like, how can we forgive the perpetrator of this, especially when they haven't asked for forgiveness? Or let's say you were really abused by your parents and they didn't ask for forgiveness. There's a concept in the Bible called forbearance. And so forbearance means we overlook and it means it's there, but we are called to be, you know, in Corinthians, it talks, what is love? And it's always used for the weddings, but really it's how we're supposed to be long suffering and patient with others. And so even if they haven't asked for forgiveness, the Lord calls us to overlook it, just like God overlooks our sins. We overlook it. And that's called forbearance. You can look into that, guys, if you're struggling with forgiveness, learning about the concept forbearance was really helpful for me. And navigating what that is so I can learn how to be patient and loving with people that I'm still working on how to, I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. That's such a good point. I love that you brought that up. Yeah, that was just something I just learned from a biblical counseling and it was huge for me. Like I'm still processing that um, concept. So to finish, would you mind sharing um, what is or was, depending on um, what comes up to mind, a favorite verse that helps you draw to God when you're seeking comfort? Yes. So there's one in Psalm 40, I think it's the first three verses, and I've had, I partially have it memorized, so if I butcher it, sorry, I guess I don't have it memorized, <laughs> but it's, I waited patiently on the Lord, He inclined to me and heard my cry, He drew me up out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. And the reason I love that one is because the psalmist remembers that he had to wait patiently and he was talking about sinking down into a miry bog and i think sometimes as christians it's really easy to focus on drowning and just getting stuck but it's okay to focus on that pain but to remember and turn to praise that god will redeem the situation and he will put my feet back on a rock and he will make myself secure and then a lot of times people look at your story and your testimony and be inspired by it right and it says many will fear and put their trust in the Lord. And sometimes we can become that vessel when we cling to those truths. So I love that those verses because it honors the pain, but it also turns that pain into praise. So important to know that if we are in Christ, we are promised that in Romans 8, 28 through 29. And so just for funsies to finish the conversation up, what does the word nourishment mean to you? And that's a really good question. <laughs> and I think it's such a a huge concept but when i think about the word nourishment i think about viewing the body and nourishing that as a whole including the spirit and i think it's really easy to focus on just feeding your body the proper foods but then forgetting 
where true nourishment comes from, and that comes from being anchored in Christ. And scripture often refers to Jesus as the living water, and he's the only thing that can quench our thirst. And for so long, I had this deep soul thirst. It was just this unquenchable thing, and I was trying to quench it with sex and drugs and alcohol and then food and then exercise and then all the supplements and all these things. What I really needed to do was get back and rooted in and anchored into Christ. And then from there, the rest of my spiritual health flowed. And then that in turn impacted my physical health. So I think number one, being rooted and anchored in Christ, having that word built up within you, because that is what will ultimately give and produce fruit in your life. And then something we were talking about earlier is the ability to apply information and not just internalize it. And so when I think about nourishment, I think of our gut and what can happen in our gut is we can develop constipation. And when we're constipated, our nutrients aren't going to our bloodstream and they're not nourishing our cells and our body. And a lot of times in the holistic space, it's easy to learn all the things. And you're like jumping from one concept to the other. You're like, I need to do this. I need to balance my minerals. I need to do my hormones. But we're not assimilating that into our life, right? And so I think nourishment is being able to learn a concept and then digest it and assimilate it into your life. And when you do that, your habits change, your mindset changes. So many things are really uncovered and you just have the capacity to then work through them. And one thing we were going to talk about, I think, is journaling and how hard that can be. But I really think that that is a key piece for proper nourishment because that is where you really are required to face yourself and to start asking hard questions. And so another component of nourishment is building resiliency and that you can't really build resiliency if you live in a bubble and you don't try hard things and you don't try to expand your window of tolerance and you're just avoiding all the things. So the final thing I think um, about nourishment is being willing to challenge nourishment starts with being anchored in christ but also knowing that what we eat and having minerals and knowing that there's so many things that we can do pretty basic pretty i call it mastering the basics first before we think we might need some extensive protocols and also self-reflection and taking time to journal and compare us to scripture because we can read the word of god but for example in her course there's journal entries with every module. And so you can sit there and watch the video. You can take notes in the module and you can learn information. I love information. I feel like I could just flip through pages and eat it up. Yum, yum, yum. But the thing is, is if we don't then take it and apply it, then I'm just going to be stuck in another labyrinth of seeking success and information. And the journal for me was so important. Do you mind if I just read one that's right here for module seven? No, for go example, for it. So this one says right here, I haven't done this page because this one was the difficult one for me. So that's why I left it open because I've done most of the journal entries and you and I talked about separately that a lot of women have a hard time sitting down and doing this part of the course. They want to skip over the journal entries. I've done most of them, but some of them are really hard. I felt really overwhelmed. And so I wanted to say that, hey, I'm here with you ladies. And this is the one that really stopped me in my tracks. What barriers exist for you when it comes to being still? And that really helped just to sit down and know that I'm like, I'm going to answer this question. So I have to sit down enough. And obviously that was in reference to some scripture and to knowing that God teaches us to rest and Sabbath rest is a, a biblical principle. So I really appreciated the opportunity, but even if it's uncomfortable, we don't want to skip over that part because that's how I sit down and really apply what I just learned in that module, what I just read over in that post and understand how to apply it into my day-to-day -day life. Yes. 
being so so incredibly hard and that was one of the hardest things for me i remember i was learning more about stretching and how important it is and releasing fascia and i was watching this video and i had this urge to put him on 2x speed and i was like i don't have time for this i don't want to sit here and do this i need to go 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 and then i was also trying to do a biblical meditation and just think deeper on scripture and i was like i have so many things to do i need to go do laundry i need to go do this i need to go do that and then i would sit down to journal and i'm like i cannot do this and then i started asking the question okay why what's going on like, why can't you do that? And I started getting really curious. And I realized two things that I think that we as humans, as Christian humans, need to realize is one, it's rooted in our physiology. If we have been in flight for so long, it's going to be really, really hard to sit and actually do those things. And yes, sup supplementation can be really helpful. Also creating space in your body before you even go down to journal can be really helpful, but also remembering Satan is at play, right? And he doesn't want you to sit down and have quiet time. He doesn't want you meditating on the word of God. He doesn't want you thinking about your inner wounds and the way you talk to your husband. Why would he? Because he knows that when you sit and you wrestle with that, the Holy Spirit's going to come in and help you unpack all this and it's going to help you move forward and grow. So why is he? Why? And I don't think that that is acknowledged a lot. We don't really talk about that, but it's real right? He doesn't, he doesn't want you to create space in your calendar or have capacity for any of that. So if you don't decide to create space, he's going to fill that space. And if you knew that there was a way to sit down for 20 minutes and write and that it would improve your anxiety, it would improve your mood, it would improve the way you showed up in your relationship. So it would improve your relationship with God. If there's something you could do, would you do it? And most people would be like, yeah. And there is something. Research shows that writing for 20 minutes boosts your mood. It impacts the way you show up in your relationships. But a lot of people just won't create space for it. And there are physical components, yes, but there's also that self-discipline that we need to do things that are hard. I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to do that because it's hard and I shouldn't have to do that because, you know, it's too hard for me right now. But sometimes you have to do something that you don't want to do. Like, I don't often want to go on a walk, but I do it because I know I feel better. I know that I need to look at God's creation. I need to really nourish my system. And so I think really being diligent, diligent and saying that I'm going to show up today, I'm going to do this for maybe five minutes. And then just building on that habit could be really key. There's a really good book called The Power of Writing It Down. And I don't agree with every, every single thing that she says. And her views can kind of sometimes stem from evolution. And I've already covered, I don't agree with that. But she has so many tangible tips and just a lot of wisdom about writing and the benefits from it. So I'd recommend that book too. Yes, journaling is incredibly hard. But know in the end that that is where the transformations and the breakthroughs happen. I see it over and over and over again. And I think reminding yourself that this really does work and it's going to make a difference is also key. Well, so much of what your course teaches is that the stories, the self-talk that we have are going to be fueling the state. And so if I get into a habit of journaling, I am getting those thoughts out onto paper and I'm able to look at them more objectively. I'm able to take accountability for them. I'm able to look at how ugly they can be and how not true they are. And then I can apply the biblical truths to them and then apply some other of my tools and resources that I've learned. And I think that's been the most helpful thing for me is you, if you want to shift the nervous system state you're in, you have to shift the stories you're telling yourself and you have to become aware of what you're doing because awareness is the key to any behavior change. It's step one. You have to create awareness. And then you also have 
Like I have a journal that I've had since 2021. So wow, does it have so much growth? I was pre-Christ. I'm talking about, I'm drawing angel cards that were talking about the Jesus, Jesus's grandma that I was praying to at this time. So it's so entertaining looking at the growth that you can reflect on too. So I really appreciate all your time that you took to share about the importance of journaling. And, you know, when we say that we're disciples of Jesus, a root word of that is discipline. And so we do need some levels of discipline and, and there's going to be, we're called to live as a living sacrifice for our Lord. And what that looks like for each one of us is going to be a little different. But we also talked about the importance of self-compassion and having a lot of compassion because if we have too much discipline, then we're going to fall into maybe legalism or too much self-deprecation. And that's just the bad news of the gospel. And then if we have too much self-compassion, then maybe we're too much in like grace and, and annihilism or whatever that word is, like, like no law. And so, you know, we really don't want to be on either side of those spectrums, just like within fitness and nutrition or any goal you have. It's you want a little bit of discipline. You want a little bit of compassion. True balance is found in the middle. And we find that through spending time with the word of God, because he really is going to be our anchor for that. And the course you put together has been so helpful for me and getting out of fight or flight by trying to discern all the time, feeling safe in what you've done and coming from the new age, coming from occult practices and knowing how easily new age is into some of these things. You've done such a great job in front of each module saying, hey, if you don't feel comfortable with this, skip it. So depending on where you are on your walk with Christ, I really do give my stamp of approval that her discernment, her disclaimers have really helped you navigate where your own, maybe your personal conviction convictions might be different than others. But this course is very safe and very Christ-centered. And I'm so grateful for it. I can't imagine how many hours were put into it. It is a gift from the Lord through you. And thank you so much for your time, your conversations today, Megan. That's all I have for you today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Please subscribe, leave some feedback. We love to hear from you. And may the peace and grace of our Lord be with you. Have a great week.